0: Hello and welcome to the Surface Tension Podcast. My name is Alex. My co-host over here is Craig. We are going to be exploring deep questions and looking for deep answers to spiritual questions and questions about life in general. We're happy to have you here. And here we go.
1: Hi, welcome to our podcast. Alex, I had a conversation recently with a man who... um, gave me a different definition of love that I haven't thought of for a while. And uh, How exhilarating. Well, it was exhilarating in a strange and stretching way because, you know, there's this lingering question that I have in the back of my mind frequently. uh, How is God loving you right now in a way that you don't want to be loved? How is God loving you right now in a way that you don't want to be loved. And this guy's story kind of prompted some of that question. That's be- a
0: that's a nice one.
1: Yeah. So this guy's son, um, his his arm broke in an athletic competition and it was set at urgent care where the people didn't know what they were doing. Two weeks later they had to take him in to have it reset. Well, you know what needs to happen before something gets reset?
0: You gotta re break it, right?
1: So he had to hold his son as these medical texts were re-breaking his arm in order for it to be set. Ouch. And, and I was sitting there listening to this story. I think I was cringing and wincing both inside and out. And I realized that was an incredible act of love that that dad did for that son that that son probably was not thankful for, Right. Hey, Dad, thanks for holding me down while they were re-breaking my arm. My guess is that kid's going to live his entire life and probably not be thankful for that moment of love. But it was a loving moment indeed.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: And so it started me thinking about how important the definition of love is. There are so many people who are moving through life with a tweaked and wrong definition of love. Hippie love. Yeah. Um. Gosh, I mean... I, I, I hesitate because I don't know if I should share the story, but I will go ahead and share it. Um, I heard another story recently where uh, a 13-year-old girl tried to commit suicide, which is Whoa. always horrific and a tragedy. Yeah, definitely. And when Child Protective Services were called in, um, they asked the child, why did you try to commit suicide? And her response was because my mom won't let me date the boy I want to date. And so... Must be
0: a really great guy. Yeah,
1: I think, yeah. For Oh, and it just, that broke my heart because that little 13-year-old has somehow gotten the definition that love is letting me do anything I want to do, date anyone, even if it's bad for me or whatever it may be. But mm-hmm. when you hear that question uh, about God and God's love for you, how is God loving you? Right now in a way that you don't want to be loved. What, what comes to mind?
0: Talking to me more often than I'd like. So
1: Okay, wait a minute. So he's talking to you often, maybe more often than you'd like. And, in the and-
0: recent past, I've been getting a lot of God nudges through other people. Hear those whispers and those movements when I'm in my prayer time
1: and you don't want to be loved that way.
0: I don't I have no idea how I'd like to be loved most of the time. Yeah. I kind of it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I'll know I'll know love when I see it and I feel it. But that's too personal, it's too subjective. It's not God's love. God's love isn't really subjective. Our what? our interpretation of it's probably subjective, but God's love is
1: Boy, spot on, though, with what you just said. How interesting is it? I'll know it when I feel it. How interesting that is that we have made our feelings the barometer for love. Right. And if you say something that makes me feel bad or sad or mad, you are not loving me. Right. When the Bible is full of things that say a, a, friend, a friend is the one who who brings the strong word of challenge. It's the enemy who multiplies kisses. You know, It's the false prophet that says, peace, peace, but it's the true prophet that says, we need to turn around and have a change of mind, a repentance in order to seek the Lord.
0: Yeah. Uh, let me flip the question back on you. How is God trying to love you right now in a way that you don't want or you choose not to receive?
1: Well, I don't like it when my questions are asked of me, but... Right. I know that about you. (laughs) Uh, And anyone who's listened to this podcast has heard a journey of me trying to become more and more uh, vulnerable and share more authentically with uh, just the words and thoughts and feelings. I think the lingering struggles that I have with the idols of my heart apparently is a way of God loving me that I don't want to be loved. I want to snap fingers, wave a magic wand, pray a prayer, go up to an altar and have those things shazammed away, the challenges and the struggles. But for some reason, God is choosing to allow those points of tension and struggle to continue. And that is part of his love. He's trying to build in me muscles of faith and perseverance and resilience that I don't like. It would it would feel far more loving if- He
0: made you perfect? If he made you totally perfect by your definition?
1: I don't even know if I would want to be perfect. I just want to be pain-free. And we talked about this on past episodes where it's the, the pain of tension, of strife, of um, disconnection that, hits my soul with a thud. I want that to be gone, In this side of heaven it won't be. And I get in trouble when I try to position life or relationships in a way that won't cause my soul pain. Jesus didn't do that. We look at Jesus, he didn't didn't run away from situations which were going to be painful to his soul. A friend dying, a dinner at a Pharisee's house.
0: You know the story of Job. Far better than I ever will. But where does God's love show up for Job in that story? That's a tricky one because that's like that's chaos and strife and heartache taken to the maximum degree possible, right? All of his wealth is taken away, his children die, if I think I have that correctly. So where does God's love show up there?
1: Well, I like the way you phrased the question the second time rather than the first time. Because the first time you asked the question, it was, where did God's love show up for Job? The second time is, where was God's love? (laughs) Because that is very good. And a different distinction. The way we texture and tone our questions really impacts where our hearts and our minds go with it. because. It would be more difficult to say in what way did God love Job through that book, through that challenge, through that strife. We could probably make a good case for the fact that God had revealed so much of himself that Job still wanted to hang on to God no matter what, right? Mm -hmm. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He gives and takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He understood that there is a loving, powerful God who does give. Who does take away, and that doesn't change who he is. Wow. Okay. So a lot of God's love towards Job came before the story even starts. Mm. Because there's this foundation of Job, this is who I am. And that's what disturbed Satan so much. <laughs> he said, Hey, there's this guy. You, you know, you've you blessed him so much. Take away the blessings and he'll he'll run from you. And God's like, No, he won't. No, he won't. He knows me, he walked with me. He understands who I am. He understands my heart. Let's see. Job 19.10, he has this beautiful phrase, I know my Redeemer lives, and in the end I will stand with him on that day. So it was a loving thing for God to look at Job and say, I love you, and for Job to realize, you know what? This God is going to be with me in this life and the next that the blessings I experience in this life are temporal, but there is a next life where I'm going to be standing with, walking with, being with this God. That's more important than anything else.
0: Gosh, that just, it always changes the timeline when you start thinking about the world after this one. It makes the Problems of the day quite a, a bit less significant, doesn't it?
1: It does. And to answer your second question about God's love, kind of not to Job, but maybe through Job, I love Tim Keller had a great comment about Job. He said, Here, Satan didn't realize that his plan was going to backfire. He thought he was going to take down this shining star, this hero of the faith. And what wound up happening is a book was given that was going to encourage millions and millions of Christians through suffering and strife. Mm -hmm. That's love through someone, which is a beautiful thing. I, I know I'm guilty of this. Too often, we are so consumed with our story and God's love to me that we don't pause enough to see the story that he's writing through us and how he wants to use our story, not just for us, but for others. Hmm. Alex, he wants to use your story right now and his love for you, for other people.
0: That's an encouraging thought. It makes the crummy times worth enduring, right?
1: It does. It it really does flip the script. It says, Satan, you're not going to get the victory here. If he can get us turned in on ourselves with our attention, our focus, our emotions, he's got it. He's he's won. But if somehow our trust in God is so strong that he allows us to still maintain an other's centeredness, even in the suffering, the struggle, and the strife, something beautiful happens.
0: So let's relate this back to how are we putting up walls to receive love in certain areas. And how does it relate to this? Are we walling off the correct things? Probably not. I don't know. Where do you want to go with that?
1: Well, it's, I love the question because it creates space to say, we do that. There's some parts of God's love that we just welcome in and we invite, we pray for, right? We want your presence. We want your peace. We want your joy. We we crave that. We want that. And yet, when he wants to love us with a longer, more challenging, tough love, if you will, we don't have that same gratitude. <laughs> we don't have that same, hey, thank you. I know uh, some parents locally that have had a couple of boys that have dealt with addiction, and It has been so interesting because the counsel they got from so many people in that world is don't enable them. Cut them off financially because if you keep supporting them financially, they're going to be dead. Mm -hmm. And some parents were saying, that's what we did. That was what we, we tried to love them with the, what did you call it? Hippie love, right? Yeah. We're just going to keep loving, 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 loving with the hippie love. Guess what? Drug overdose, dead. A handful of their friends. And they looked at that and they said, we don't want that end for our child. We are going to take the road less traveled. We are going to cut them off financially. Those boys both wandered, homeless, sleeping on couches, no job, barely making it. Whoa. And it killed the heart of these parents because they're like, can you imagine how hard that tough love would be? For a parent to go, I have the means to support my child. Yeah, that's an absurd boundary. I'm going to choose a tough one. And maybe you don't don't agree. You don't have to be agreeing with me if you're listening to our podcast. But This is the path that they took. And they took this because they gleaned the wisdom from the people around them. And they said, if you keep supporting them, that'll be it. Well, years passed. And that one phrase is going to be, have a lot of emotions packed into it, right? Years passed. There was years. This wasn't days, months, this was years where these boys were off on their own. One of them comes back, gets clean, gets a job, is so thankful to his parents for the tough love. Mm-hmm. And he kept he became the the parents' cheerleader for the other son. Hey, listen. He's not your responsibility. You have loved him and you're loving him with a difficult, in a difficult way. Providing for him in this state isn't your ultimate best love. What you did for me was your ultimate best love. Keep doing it for him. So he became their cheerleader, which I think was awesome. He has gotten to the point where he says, my parents loved me in a way that I didn't want to be loved. And it was the best thing they could have done for me. Hmm. And I think God does the same thing. He's loving us. That's who he is. That's what he's doing. And he's probably loving us right now in some ways that are uncomfortable, unwanted.
0: Yeah. Well, that's just like a perspective shift away from egocentricity, thinking, I know what's best for me. I know. Or even I know what's best for other people.
1: Yeah. Amen. That's, I I struggle with that constantly. Uh, So So, do I. Yes. And I don't know where we somehow have convinced ourselves that we are experts in so many areas in life and made ourselves the standard of how people should be having their stories written and they should be writing their own stories. I I don't know. You don't know. What a great dose of humility we need. Well, that's such a, it's a
0: fascinating exercise to do this podcast. If I can do some meta analysis, record our thoughts, try to share our wisdom, try to discover deep uh, nuggets of wisdom. And I get a ton out of this and I'm sure all of our listeners get a ton out of this, but the longer we do this, I find that I know less as we've expanded into all these beautiful areas looking for answers, it's the answer is God to all of our questions, but the specifics change. And it's still this whole pursuit is an exercise in receiving love better and loving others better. That's all we're doing with this, right? Yes. And it's a lifelong pursuit that never stops. Yeah. And we're never going to be great at it. Yeah. Ah, it's, it's beautiful and frustrating at the same time. Just, just as I'm sure that, that story of uh, those boys who were addicted to drugs, that had to have been heart-wrenching and beautiful in different times and different ways. But it's not the way you would write it if it were a children's book. That is not a children's book of a story. That's like a very... It's not a horror novel. It's just... that's a real drama of life, and there's love in there that we can't... We're probably not going to understand most of the love that, that comes to us. And can we be okay with that?
1: Yeah. Yes, and you've just taken us to a very interesting zip code for a question. Is, is it possible to redefine love in a healthier way that allows us to give and receive love. Because, again, I think most of us, I'm going to be the head of the class, have misdefined love. We have a wrong definition of what love is. I love your hippie love. Well, there's hippie love, and then there's policeman love, and there's all kinds of different motifs of love. But maybe that's part of what we need to do is to start. So how 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 could one identify where their definition of love was wrong? If they're sitting there going, well, okay, all right, maybe my definition of love is wrong. Well,
0: let's assume how that it is.
1: It? Yeah. Let's assume it is. How do I know in what way it's wrong? What, what are my indicators? What am I going to look for in my life? What questions am I going to ask myself to try to find out how is how is my love different than the love of God for myself, for other people? Mm. What would you ask them? You're a great beach walker, a great bench sitter, a great lover of people. You have conversations. You, you walk up to someone and they tell you, Alex, I just don't have a good definition of love. I, I'm not living out my operating system maybe really good when it comes to my physical health or eating or work or discipline, but when it comes to love, I'm really messed up. I don't have right. What do you suggest for me to get a better definition of love?
0: What would I suggest to you if you were looking for a... Yes. I'd say you're asking the wrong person. I would say you that is, I'd say that's a question above my pay grade. And I think that that's a question that needs to be asked uh, to Jesus. And that comes through a relationship with Jesus. And if I can do so much as to point somebody in that direction and be a signpost to be a spark to Jesus's flame, then that's fantastic. But I'm not going to, I don't think, gosh, isn't there that cerebral love? There's that, love that comes in, butterflies in our stomach. There's different ways that we feel love, but comprehending the depth of true, immense, earth-shattering God love that can make us feel bold. It can make us feel held. It can make us feel humbled. It can make us feel tiny. It can make us feel huge. It's so hard to encapsulate the immensity of that kind of love with words, because we're experiencing all of that love in in different seasons, in different uh, with more or less gravity. All of what we're experiencing when it comes to God should be reflections of that love, and whether it feels good to us or not, should not be how we measure it, right?
1: That's true. Yes. It, it is how we measure it, and it should not be. We need to be more intentional with our understanding definition and expression of love. Well, don't the
0: Marines have a phrase they say, embrace the suck?
1: Yes. Yep.
0: There's an element of love that we can learn about uh, through a phrase like that, and Through the story of Job, embracing it, I don't embrace the terrible circumstances or when I'm feeling blue or disconnected or like I don't have things figured out, but those are the moments when I need to.
1: Yeah. But from what I've seen in your life, if you don't mind me getting in the cheap seats and making a moral evaluation. Go ahead. You do a, a good job of embracing the suck In your life, because you've got a lot of suck that you navigate pretty well. I'm a pro. And maybe you need to grow a little bit in embracing the people that suck. Because embracing the challenges that suck is a little different than embracing the people that suck.
0: What do you mean? (laughs) Because that's, I mean, it's too ethereal right now. we got to concretize this. Because... This should be something that we could all. If it's true for me, chances are it's true for yeah plenty of us. So, how are we good at dealing with? How how am I or how are we good at dealing with crummy circumstances better than crummy people? What okay. does that mean? All
1: right, that means that your car breaks down and you get disappointed, but it doesn't take your emotional train off its tracks. You're right, able to say. That, that's too bad. That, that's disappointing. This sucks. I'm going to embrace this suck. Take a deep breath and just move through this. Okay. I don't necessarily have the money to get my car fixed. Okay. What am I going to do? Problem solving mode. You go into that, right? Yeah. You just kind of move move forward. Somebody cuts you off and you honk and they flip you off as if you done something wrong. <laughs> we don't necessarily embrace The people that suck in the same way as the circumstances that suck. People that suck Mm. can trigger us and take our emotional train off its tracks. Ah! Forgetting that people and vehicles are both broken. They both need us to take a deep breath and go, ah, okay, well, that's too bad that that person had that that response and there's a story that they're living out right now that is making them selfish and hostile to the world. I mean, by by the CDC's estimation, 25% of the people in America have had suicidal thoughts in the last 30 days. Guess what? Those people are driving on the road and you can tell the ones that really don't want to be alive, right? You've talked in past episodes of those who are passively suicidal. Okay, there's a story that has led them to the place where they don't think Life is valuable. Life is worth living. And guess what? Us responding in kind to the way that they're moving through this world won't help.
0: It's hard to love a lot of people right now. It is. I feel like, gosh, this whole world's a pigsty. We're all filthy, and it's really hard to just love it's much easier to look at the filthy other people than look at our filthy selves. That's certainly true. And I know that quite well about myself Is I'd rather focus on the other pigs than focus on this pig, but uh, it's a messy world. And I'm, I'm astonished at how people continue to keep going. I'm surprised some days I'm like, how have you kept going and look at myself in the mirror and have like a odd talk with myself and an odd talk with God and say, God, like you, you're going to, keep me around in this hellscape in this world rife with moral inversions and depravity and wickedness and ah uh, yeah i mean it's easy for me to see how we can all go into these these negative places and be set off by little things but to totally speak to your point when i get upset at other people I immediately go to a selfish place of being like, you slighted me. What are you doing? Uh, and it takes me a while sometimes to get to their story. And I think that for how crappy of a job you and I would say that we do at receiving and giving love, we're really hard on ourselves. I think most people who are not actively pursuing depth of relationship with God and others are hurting way worse yes. than, than we ever could. We yes. just happen to focus on it and talk about it. But they're probably feeling it in their soul in a way that we aren't because we are actively processing things. We are moving through things yeah. and trying to refine it and yes. trying to celebrate in the suffering, trying yes. to celebrate in the victories. But so many people don't even have those They don't have a relationship with God and Jesus. They don't have a relationship with believers who can come alongside them and say like, gosh, your story's goofy right now, but you know what? God loves you. How many people are just lacking that? And truth be told, that 25% of people who have thought about, you know, uh, taking their own life, in some months, in the past couple years, I would say, I'm like, gosh, that would seem low based on the way things are going. Like, this is so goofy yes and it it's heartbreaking but little uh do i um rarely do i pause to fully appreciate and try to understand somebody's story i've blown up at people i've had these like odd meltdown moments and i'm like oh gosh that was terrible that's not a godly thing (laughs) to do but then i get to process their story later yeah
1: would it be odd if you chased down that person that flipped you off after they cut you off and say, "Hey, I'd love to buy you a cup of coffee can can I get you a cup of coffee uh, in and out burgers around the room you know can I take you to- there's would not that- enough
0: there's not enough trust in the society of ours for that person to think that you were being genuine right. unfortunately okay
1: so and that would be odd right that yes would, can I introduce you to one of my favorite butts in the Bible? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, go ahead
1: yeah. in Ephesians chapter two. Paul writes, as for you, you are dead in your transgressions and sins. And doesn't it feel that way? I mean, when we are steeped in sin, it, there's something that dies inside of us. You know, the outside of us might look alive, but we're dead on the inside. I took a bite of an apple yesterday that apparently was rotten in the inside. Didn't know it from looking at it on the outside. It looked fine. I took a big bite and I was like, blah, 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 blah. That was horrible. I couldn't get it out of my mouth quickly enough. It was it was dead on the inside. And I think we can feel that sometimes. People might not see that. Sure. But we can feel that. You were dead in your transgressions and sins which used to live. When you followed the ways of this world, we could probably go on for a long time about the world's values and how quick and how closely you were aligned to that. And the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh. We've talked about that a lot lately, that if we are living out of the flesh rather than the spirit, it's going to be a totally different life, and it's going to feel dead inside. Following its desires and thoughts, like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. All right, favorite but in the Bible. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. That what? A, there's this picture of dark, I think of C.S. Lewis in this, Tolkien, this dark forest with gnarled trees, and that's the way we can feel like we're going through life, and we're living there, but... Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions, as by grace you have been saved. I need more of that to sink into the operating system of my life.
0: We all do, but it's so, oh man, that's a... beautifully written. That's a soul piercer.
1: And if we experience that, it's going to be easier for us to maybe not take that person out to coffee or a burger, but to have an understanding, ah, I was just like that. I, I had a lot of death inside of me, and, and now I have been made alive by a rich, loving mercy that came through Jesus.
0: knowing what you know about your hesitation to be fully received and fully loved by God how challenging it must it be to be a non-believer and not even be in the region of knowing how to love and be loved that's i think that's a big mission that all of us as followers of Christ are charged with the duty of pursuing right now yes I mean, that's always been the case, right, is we need to seek out the lost sheep. Um, I mean, Jesus is going to be the one to seek out the sheep, but gosh, is it.
1: And what I hear you saying is what I encounter on a regular basis when I meet with people that don't know Jesus yet. They don't even have the possibility for the existence of a love that God has for them. Their imaginations don't even have space for saying there is a possible love that exists in the universe that I could participate in, I could receive.
0: Yeah, it's pretty interesting. I mean, there's certain, there's certain places in the world where they don't have words for left and right.
1: Very interesting.
0: Imagine not having any comprehension of the word love because you didn't have the comprehension of the word God and who God is. Some people don't have left and right. Some people don't have God and Jesus.
1: But what a great mission that you and I can be on today is to help the people that we encounter understand and see maybe even just a little bit of a different definition of love maybe we are the ones that can help broaden that possibility of their imagination saying, "Oh, is that what love might look like?
0: And hopefully we can be open to being loved in the ways that we need and not the ways that we want. That's the hardest part of much of what we're talking about right now is yes. accepting the love we need, not the love we want. Because the love that we want is sing-songy and hippie adjacent. It's a party, it's a feel-good, it's a high-five, and a cupcake. And that's not really the love that most of us need. That could be part of it, but it's not all of it. And so if we're looking at love through the uh, dictionary definition, we are getting such a narrow slice of the pie. We're getting actually very little very little love the dictionary definition of love is it is narrow isn't it if we if we're right sizing it to use one of your favorite phrases
1: yeah i love i love 1st corinthians 13 and just the definition of love cuz it's patient it's kind it's not self-serving it's not easily angered it's not proud it's not boastful it's not rude it's not self-seeking it's it's who god is and i love the way first corinthians 13 closes it always love always trusts always hopes always perseveres and maybe that's our test for where do we need to receive the love i really enjoyed what you just said about the love not that we want but the love we need maybe that's a good place for us to start first corinthians 13 in what areas are most challenging for me to share because the areas that are challenging for us to share with others are going to be hard for us to receive from God. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Good. Boy, this is fun. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you for listening because even listening to this says you want to be intentional in the things that matter the most in life. God, relationships, love. That's important. And, Thank you for investing in that, investing in yourself, investing in being challenged and inspired, hopefully encouraged with good thoughts, good questions, good scripture. That's what Alex and I want to do, is this create a place where uh, we can grow. We want to thank the wonderful people at Go Ministry International who have supported this podcast, and so thankful for them that they are trying to be that love and light in the world. Alex, thank you. Thank you for your heart. Thank you for your... Thank you, Vulnerability, Craig. your questions. Um, thanks for joining us in our podcast today. We hope you have a great day.
0: If this episode or any of the episodes that you've listened to in the recent past have startled you, moved you, made you think, go ahead and share it with somebody else. Because uh, what we've found is that by treating uh, our faith journeys like a team sport, it's been a lot more fruitful, and we want nothing more than that for as many people as we can. So have a wonderful, blessed rest of your day. And if you feel so compelled, share this with somebody with whom you think this would land squarely.